Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Zion. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts the Restoration offers for today's world. Project Zion is sponsored by the Latter-day Seekers team from Community of Christ. Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and I am very excited about my guests today. Um, they're two very dear friends of mine, and I'm also excited because we're in a really cool place. So hello, dear guests. Hello, my name is Laura Bolton. And I'm David Bolton. And we are in historic Nauvoo, Illinois, on the Joseph Smith Historic Site. Ah, the Joseph Smith Historic Site. So you two, like, live near the Joseph Smith Historic Site, right? We live on the Joseph Smith Historic Site, um, and we are the co-team leads here. So we're um, involved in in pretty much the everyday running of the site, which includes um, the tours that we we give through the historic homes. Um, and David does all of the financial stuff. We train volunteers and uh, maintenance, and you know, just every day it's something new. Well, that sounds pretty fun. Is it fun? Yeah, I like the variety to the job. One day you'll be working on stuff in the office and then the next day you'll be out giving tours and other days you're recruiting guides for the next summer. So there's a lot of variety. And we get to see incredible people um, such as you. We have all sorts of groups coming in, um, sometimes just for the weekend, sometimes for the week or just the day. Um, and everybody has a, a different story. Everybody's from a different place. So we're just constantly meeting new and incredible people. Oh, that sounds really fun. So when people come to Nauvoo, they come to the whole town, right? Usually they come to see a lot of the town. But what do they come to specifically? What do they like the most to see? So when people come to Nauvoo, they're really looking for for the history here. I mean, and typically it's the the saints history here. Um, We have a few of the original homes and then several uh, reconstructions between um, the Community of Christ site and the Latter-day Saints sites, we have a pretty full history of what happened here in Nauvoo. And so when people are coming, um, it's almost a pilgrimage of sorts to to a past in our history. And then um, current Latter-day Saints um, sometimes come for the Nauvoo Temple as well. And the summer is the busiest season. A lot of people come to see the pageant that lasts about a month. And then while they're here, there's lots of other sites, including ours, that they see at the same time. So what sites are owned by Community of Christ? What sites do you actually give tours for? Do you two give tours for? Um, it's the properties that mostly stayed in the Smith family and then uh, ended up in the reorganized church of the Community of Christ. So those include the Smith family homes, the mansion house, the homestead, and um, the Nauvoo house, which is kind of a large hotel that was eventually finished by Emma's second husband, Louis Spiderman. And there's the Red Brick Store, um, there's the Smith Family Cemetery, and is that all of them? Yes. So do you have a particular favorite in those that you like to show people around the most? The cemetery is my favorite, um, because I really <laughs> I really enjoy the whole burial to finding the Joseph and Hiram's bodies. I, that story, um, it's just so interesting. Um, you know, after Joseph and Hiram 
are killed in Carthage. Their bodies are brought back to Nauvoo. Um, and there's a public viewing. But after that public viewing, the bodies are hidden. And for decades, I mean, so many years pass between them being buried in 1844 to we don't actually start looking for the bodies until 1928. So all this time has passed and the bodies were hidden. Um, so they're buried um, and then they're buried again and even more secrecy and nobody knows where they are. Um, so, you know, early January in 1928, they start looking and um, they accidentally find Emma because her grave is actually um, marked wrong. And so Emma's found accidentally. And then we find Joseph and Hiram later. Uh, so, you know, now they're all three reburied together. But I that whole story is just so interesting um, from the secrecy of the burial to the to the process of going into them with W.O. Hands in the early 1900s of trying to find them. Um, I just so I love getting to talk about the cemetery and um, and it's a special place during the day. It's open at 24 hours and, you, you know, there's such a spirit there um, and it's very peaceful. I like the red brick store. It's also a, an operating store today and the upstairs is used for worship services and community activities. And there's lots of good root beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lots of good root beer. How many root beers do you guys think you drink a day? <laughs> um, I embarrassingly drink a root beer after every tour I give. What? <laughs> it's just so good. And after you've like talked for so long, like nothing is better than ending a tour with a nice cold red brick store root beer. Ooh. <laughs> it, that kind of felt like a plug. What a good advertisement <laughs> for red brick store root beer. What about you, David? How many root beers do you drink a day? Um, I finished the bottles that Laura starts. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, I have a question about the cemetery you brought up in my mind. Um, so Joseph and Hiram and Emma are buried in this cemetery. Are there any other bodies in the cemetery? Yeah, there are about 24 Smith family members and friends buried in the cemetery. And I, I couldn't give you a full list right now. Um, but some notable ones that people, well, I'll tell you the marked ones. Most aren't marked because we're not exactly sure where everyone is. And we're not even exactly sure who's all there, but we've got a pretty good idea. So I'll tell you the marked ones. We've got uh, Louis Biedemann, who's Emma's second husband after Joseph dies. And then we've got Lucy Max Smith and Joseph Smith Sr. Um, those are Joseph and Hiram's parents. And then we've got Emmeline, who is Joseph Smith III's wife, and then a couple of their infant children who passed here in Nauvoo. So there are um, quite a few Smith family members buried in the Smith Cemetery. And are Smith all Cemetery. of those graves marked or are they not marked? So the ones that I've just listed are marked, um, but then the rest are not. So how many are this? One, two, three, four, like five, six, and then you've got Joseph, Emma, and Hiram. So nine of the possibly 24 are marked. Um, I hope I didn't do my math wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so there are others there, including like Samuel Smith. Um, so there are other brothers or other siblings and children and uh, other family members, but um, the others are not marked. I would imagine that's a fairly popular place for people to go. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, even if they don't go on the tour, that is probably one of our most visited locations because you can go and see Joseph and Hiram. Um, I mean, not the bodies, of course, but you can go, go see there where they're buried and 
um, y- you know, he's the founder of, of our movements and that becomes a very powerful moment for people here. Yeah. It's open all the time um, and maintained by the Smith Family Foundation. They help fund yeah. that maintenance. Uh, and people, even in the middle of the night, people driving through the Nauru, they can't visit anything else. They visit the cemetery. Interesting. Um, so you've told me your favorite place in Nauru. Do you have, you haven't worked here that long, actually. About seven months. Right. But do you have like a favorite story that you've learned about the history of here in Nauvoo? Is there something that you love to tell or something that maybe surprises the tourists as you're walking through? I don't know if I should share this story, but um, we'll talk about it if people ask. So I'll, I'll go ahead and share. So when, when we're identifying Joseph and Hiram in 1928, there's a crack in one of the skulls near the cheekbone. And we assume that that's Hiram because Hiram is, of course, shot at Carthage. Um, and then the other skull, and this can be a little gruesome, but is, is missing mostly, um, the lower half of the skull. Um, and so we assume that the crack is from Hiram's shot wound and that the other must be Joseph. Well, we have since then gotten to see the death masks that the um, Latter-day Saints have of Joseph and Hiram. And the shot for Hiram was actually on the opposite side of the face is the crack. And so it's possible that the the skull missing the bottom half, that damage is because of the shot to the face. Um, so it's possible that we have actually misidentified Joseph and Hiram. Um, so they're, they're still side by side. Um, definitely Joseph and Hiram, but Joseph or Hiram, <laughs> that's a little, little more tricky. Interesting. There's a story that often is told as part of the tour, uh, especially around election years. Um, when Joseph Smith is running for president, he invites politicians, politicians over unexpectedly and Emma throws together some food, including a del- delicious dessert. There's fried dough drizzled with honey, uh, and the politicians love the food, they ask, Emma, what's this called? And she says, it's called a candidate. And they ask, why is it called a candidate? And she says, it's puffed up and full of hot air. <laughs> oh, that Emma. <laughs> that I, was an awesome story. I think Emma was a fun lady. <laughs> I like to think she was. Yes. A little, little bit of sass, definitely um, a sh- strong in character. Yeah. Um, I Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about Emma. Okay, let's talk about Emma. Yeah, so um, <coughs> after 1844 mm-hmm. and the death of Joseph and Hiram and some others, she she stuck around here, right? So what what happened and tell me more about her life. Okay, so um, after the saints, well, so she's here in, in 44, so that's right after Joseph's death. Um, but then the saints, you know, eventually leave Nauvoo. They're heading west to Utah. Um, and at that time, Emma also leaves Nauvoo. Um, she's only gone for uh, a handful of months. She goes to Fulton, Illinois. And then she, at the time, she's leased the mansion house out to someone. And she gets news that this person is is getting rid of her property, selling off the property. So, ah! so <laughs> Emma rushes back to Nauvoo. Um, to, to take the mansion house back. And then she ends up staying here, ultimately, uh, remarrying to Louis Biedemann. Um, and her and the children are living at different areas here in Nauvoo, but the mansion house at different points, the children are, are running the inn. And then once they've 
finish the Nauvoo house. They move, and he calls it the Riverside Mansion, but they move across the street um, to live in the Riverside Mansion. And, and that's where Emma spends the last several years of her life. She passes away at the age of 74. Wow. Um, so she she lived a pretty decent life. Yeah. But so she lived out the rest of her life here in Nauvoo. Yes, she did. So while we're talking about Emma and her life here, let's talk a little bit about the kids. Because, like, um, her and Joseph's children were not that old when he was killed in 1844. So did the kids stay here? What happened with them? Did they live out their lives here? I, I don't even know. I don't know the full history yet. We're still learning. I know Julia Smith, who's their adopted daughter that lives into an adulthood. She moves back here at some, some point, stays with the Smith family, uh, and then marries a traveling magician that comes through. Oh, a traveling magician? <laughs> Sounds a little scandalous. Cool. And then, then they move, eventually move away. He he uh, dies in a riverboat accident. Um, yeah, but she moves back to Nauvoo, um, and she... It, she actually dies later in life from breast cancer. Oh, wow. Um, so she's buried here in Nauvoo, but she's not in the Smith family cemetery because um, Julia converted to Catholicism. Um, her second husband was Catholic, and she was a devout Catholic for the rest of her life. So she's buried in the Catholic cemetery. Um, she has a, a beautiful headstone out there. Interesting. Um, hmm. So that's also a, a nice place to visit. And Joseph Smith III is the oldest son. He is here when the reorganization starts in 1860. He's a member, along with Emma, of the Olive Branch, which is a local congregation or a local ward. Some people know about David Hiram Smith, who wasn't even born when Joseph dies. He's born a, a couple months later. His life had some sad turns. He ends up getting institutionalized later in life, but he was an artist. He he painted and he composed. Um, we actually have several of his original paintings in our museum here. I um, mean, they're, they're beautiful. He was an amateur painter, but um, they're, they're beautiful. And he's had songs in some of our hymnals. Um, so his music has, has stayed alive in our faith community. Let us pray for one another is in our current hymnal. And that's a, a David Hiram Smith song. So. Well, it sounds like Emma was surrounded by children and people who loved her for the rest of her life around here. Yeah, and you know, I didn't know Emma, so I'm not super familiar with her feelings. But I think it, it would have been a difficult, a difficult time after Joseph's death. There would have been a lot of unknown here, you know, succession of the church. The you know, essentially, the church is thrown into a bit of turmoil. Who who's going to lead it? What are we going to do? Where is it going to go? And Emma is kind of right there in the middle of it. So I'm glad that she she remarries and finds happiness, and that makes me happy for her. Well, speaking of her getting remarried, can you tell us a little bit about Louis Vitamin? <laughs> I mean, I I have actually heard his name pronounced Vitamin and Bitamin, but I've heard from you two on a tour yesterday here in Nauvoo that it's pronounced Vitamin. Is that true? So we pronounce it vitamin, and that's based off of David knows. There's a um, shorthand that I guess I don't know shorthand, but I guess it's phonetic. And there's an account from way back that they discovered just recently, and it's 
says vitamin is the official pronunciation. Well, there you go. Then Lewis vitamin. So tell us a little you bit. You heard about- it here first. No, <laughs> you probably heard it lots of other places. <laughs> so let's hear a little bit more about Lewis vitamin. Tell us about him. Well, there's a, a year long trip that he takes during the gold rush. He goes out to California. He doesn't make much money on finding gold. He makes money on selling tools to find gold. That works out better. He stops by Cuba on his way back home. By Cuba? What, you don't stop by Cuba on your way home? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then um, ends up in Missouri. He uh, invests in some Missouri banknotes and this huge fortune he's uh, made in California, Gold Rush. He loses because it's a bad bank or whatever. So when Lewis is um, finishing the Nauvoo House, so the Nauvoo House is left um, pretty much a shell of a building after after the saints leave. It's got a couple stories um, and it's, you know, this massive building, but there's not a floor, there's not a roof. So Lewis comes in and he takes the material from the outer wings to, to build up, um, the center portion and create a home for, for him and Emma. But part of the original Nauvoo house was a cornerstone that had, um, like a time capsule in it. And Joseph had placed some important things in this, including um, one of the original manuscripts of the Book of Mormon. Um, so Lewis ends up digging up this cornerstone and they open it. Um, and most things are water damaged at that point, but um, it did have this original manuscript. Um, and the Latter-day Saints have collected as much of it as they can. I think it's about 25 to 30% of it still still remains but they have those those papers from from that original manuscript that so was in hand, handwritten, handwritten that was kept in the cornerstone of the Nauvoo house so the very very first account of the book of mormon the handwritten account right. yeah. that's incredible and then there's a second handwritten account that they sent to the printer and that's completely intact and then the community christ archives but this one was the yeah, I guess the first this one's a little damaged and not all there um, and then we still have the, the, the original cornerstone here. Um, but, and the but yeah. Center. So, so you have a lot of people coming through Nauvoo. That is true. A lot in the summertime. You have busloads of people coming in and, and we're talking people from all different aspects of restoration heritage. We have mm-hmm. Christ. We have mm-hmm. the Mormon church. We have all kinds of people coming in, right? Yeah. We get restoration. We get remnant. We get, um, FLDS. I think we had some, um, Strangerites a couple weeks ago. We get Cutlerites, I think. Um, so, I mean, all sorts of different branches of the, and, the original movement. And then we just get people that, are curious for historical reasons or just happen to be driving along the river road. It's a beautiful road. <laughs> People are like, this? what is this place? <laughs> How interesting. Huh. So um, one of the places I was going to when I started that question was that what is like some, like the most interesting question someone has asked you about this? Then something that you thought was just really an odd question or an interesting question or a weird question. We often get questions about community Christ People sometimes are aware of coming to Christ and sometimes completely unaware. And they're usually really curious to know who this church is, how it compares to their own denomination, or how it compares to the LDS church. We try our best to answer those questions. So a lot of theology questions. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a huge interest in 
not just why the church split, but but where that difference is today. Because even even after the split, there is considerable theological growth. Um, and we are not the same church today that we were, you know, in the 1860s. So people are interested in in who is our God and what do we believe about heaven and just general God's grace and what does that mean in our lives and who is Jesus Christ. So, you know, daily we get to talk about history. That's a given on a, on a historic site, but we also get to have these incredible theological discussions with people and it's, it's eye opening. Um, we get to, we really get to know people on a deeper level. Often at the beginning of the tour, they'll, they'll just be listening to you. They might have a random question, but by the end of the tour, they're constantly asking questions and uh, you sort of get to know them. So it sounds like when you go on tours with people, you actually get to know them in Mm -hmm. a kind of way. And so when you bond with people on a tour, it probably doesn't happen on every tour, but when you do bond with people on a tour, do you bond with them in a, like a religious way or like a historical way with a love for history? How does that seem to work? It depends. When you get to know people, it's not just about the history. Like, you you talk to people and you make these connections. I wanted to say more about the invitation that brings when you when you go beyond just talking about history and when you start to to talk about um, your theology and and your belief. Um, you're inviting people into this community and and it's not necessarily just a you know like community of Christ versus any of the other movements. It's this is a shared history we have. This is something we have in common. This is not my history versus your history. This is our history here in Nauvoo. And when we get to talk about who we are as people and what we believe in, um, these walls break down and we're able to find common ground. And there's, um, you know, there are present ecumenical groups and there are uh, different instances where, you know, all these religions come together. But this is one of those places where Community of Christ and Latter-day Saints and Catholics and all the other branches and all these other religions are able to meet and and discover and explore who we are as people and a faith movement. You said that very well. And, you know, I've always found that when I'm talking about community Christ or my faith, I always get to know it way better. Like I start to understand on an even more deeper level what it is to be community of Christ and how we can be community of Christ in the world. Have you found that to be true here too? Yeah, to be able to explain your faith to someone requires you to have an understanding of it. And then also to explain it specifically, I because the largest group we get are Latter-day Saints, you have to understand their faith um because they're wanting to to often know differences. And so it's it's allowed us to not only explore our own faith but really to explore other religions because we we get a lot of, of Mormons, but we get other groups as well. We get Catholics and Presbyterians and, and really in, in Nauvoo, the largest group is Catholic. Interesting. Although there is a community of Christ congregation, congregation here. Yeah, there is. <clears throat> is there a Latter-day Saints congregation here? Ward? Yes. There's a couple, sometimes three in the summer because there's more um, missionaries and I think that's right. But There's the pop- at least two. <laughs> but the population of the town right now is... Is, is 1,100. So it's a very small town. Yeah, it is. Mm. So we have a, a museum here, right? Mm-hmm. In the visitor yeah. center. Yeah, we it's do. not a huge museum. No, but, but we got some stuff. Yeah. And so what is your very favorite piece? What is your favorite artifact in that museum? So 
something personally exciting for me was moving to Nauvoo and discovering my own heritage. What? Yeah. So I, you know, never thought that I had family that lived in Nauvoo in the 1840s. And I never thought to even look that up until I get here. And it kind of matters. You want to know we're learning about this history, um, this history, and we're learning about all these people. And it's like, you know, am I related to these people? So I start looking up doing the whole uh, ancestry thing, figuring out who are my ancestors, come to find out that I am the great, 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 great granddaughter, that's five greats, of Alpheus Cutler and Isaac Morley. And these are people that we read about. These are people who um, played significant roles in in the story here in Nauvoo. And then when I'm starting to learn our artifacts, I'm going through our artifacts, and in our museum, we have a sword, which is just a cool artifact on its own, but that particular sword is Alpheus Cutler's sword. Oh, that's awesome. So I have this incredibly personal connection. Like, I look at this, and it's like, you know, I never knew Alpheus Cutler. I didn't even know my my great-great-grandfather, but there's this connection over... 150 years that he was here, you know, and now I'm here. And yeah, there's just such a a cool connection. So that's one of my favorite artifacts. We also have a a non-violent artifact of his. He he was on the the temple building committee here for the original Nauvoo temple. And we have some of his um, temple tools also in our museum. But the sword is pretty cool. The sword is cool. (laughs) What about you, David? What's your favorite artifact of a museum? Well, there's like a little piece of fabric. That's in the museum, and at first, like, without reading the explanation, I wasn't interested in it, and then it turns out it's from the dress of Emma, uh, and that was the piece of fabric that they identified the body when they were digging up it. So it's underground for 50 years, still survives. And I think it's just cool that we have those little fragments of history with us. Yeah, and that's in the museum, too? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't get to see it. It's right next to Emma's writing crop. Oh, <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> So you've talked about that your job is different every single day. Yes. And there's never a day that's the same as the day before. No, and there's never a dull day. It's oh. always exciting. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so I have two questions, and I want you to answer both of them, and I'm going to give them both to you up front. I would like to hear about why you love this job and also what you find challenging about this job. Well, one of the things I love is that it changes every day. It gives you a a good opportunity to uh, work on one thing for a while, get really into it. I, I love to study something as much as I can and understand it as well as I can. And then if it's even as simple as the process of how we bring uh, take in donations, uh, what's the most efficient way to do that? So I study it and then uh, this sounds really boring, but I do like it. <laughs> It sounds like you're into into the logistics, like how yeah. to make things more streamlined and save money and do it the best way possible. Right. Does that sound right? Yeah. And he's not even kidding. He comes home and he'll be like, Laura, today I reworked how to figure out our taxes. <laughs> he's, oh. He's super excited about it. <laughs> yeah, that is a little boring. No, just kidding, David. <laughs> and what do you find challenging about your job? So I, I think the first time I gave a tour, I was so terrified. And I'm not naturally a person that wants to to talk to groups, and so that that has been a challenge. And uh, but 
um, it's also something I've grown to love as well. So what I love about the job, um, and I've talked about it a bit, but is all of the people I get to meet and see. Um, I have this incredible group of volunteers that I get to work with every day. And then daily, there are people coming into the site that um, are so excited about the history and want to learn more. And everybody has a different story, um, which makes room for you to connect and interact with people in different ways, because everybody's looking for something different. And like we said, sometimes we just get the history buff who who wants to know what was going on here, or we get the architect people who want to know about the houses. Um, and then we get the the church people who want to know about church history. So, you know, there's always, always something new and exciting with, with each group of people that come in. Um, cause no, no two people are the same, but that also presents, that is my challenge as well, because you have to find those connections with each group. Um, because everybody is seeking something new, something different. Um, you've got to help them on that. That's what we're here for. You know, we say we're, trying to to share our history openly and honestly and we do and and so when people come in we want to we want to be there with them as they're learning about our history because sometimes it's tough sometimes we don't like what we're learning it doesn't fit well with the images we have in mind and so we have to be there we want to be there for people because you know we we wrestled with these things we've we've learned them already and and now we're sharing them um, and so I would say the challenge is, is being there with people and connecting with them in the way they are wanting you to, because, you know, everybody wants something different. Um, but then also, also meeting them where they are, because not everybody comes prepared or knowing what's going to, what's going to be, what's going to be told and shared here. So that, that can be a challenge, but it, it's a blessing as well, because, um, like we said, it allows you to go deeper with people when, when you're honest with them and, and open, people recognize that. One of my, um, most, um, given comments at the end of a tour is, you know, I'm just so amazed at how willing you are to share. Um, and I, and I think that's a testament to, to what we do here because we want to be honest and open. We don't want to shy away from, from some of the hard truths, um, because, because it's who we are. It's a part of who we are, and it and it's a part of our past. And and it's certainly a ministry that you offer to people. Yeah, and and, and we see it like that. It's it's a it's a daily ministry, and it's it's a blessing for us as as site directors and in our in our life as a couple to get to experience this together. So you see yourself um, playing out your calling, your ministry calling, perhaps as giving and as site directors here in Nauvoo. Do you see that? Absolutely. And, and it's, it was unexpected. Um, you know, David's doing music before we get here to Nauvoo and also the prayer for peace. And, and I'm writing curriculum and then we're called to go to Nauvoo and, and it's, it's history. It's so different than what we were doing. And, and yet sometimes it's those unexpected calls where you, where you find a deeper calling. So, yeah. So you two have been here for seven months. You've made it through a summer season, which apparently is one of the hardest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of people. (laughs) Lots of people coming through. Lots of busloads coming through. And so I was wondering, like, do you have any dreams for the future of Nauvoo? Do you have any ideas? Like, where do you want to see it go in the future? (laughs) One of the big things that uh, we would like to work on is getting a broader range of volunteers. 
and doing everything we can to make it an attractive place for volunteers to be. Uh, because the site is what it is because we have not just paid staff, a very few paid staff, mostly volunteers. Such incredible volunteers. The site is so dependent on our volunteers that we are constantly looking for more. Some come for a day and just work on the gardens, or some come for uh, a month, give tours. Some come for a few years. Um, so let's just do a little volunteer plug here. <laughs> you know, if you're ever interested in visiting the sites, we're always looking for for volunteers for any amount of time. And you can be interested in history and want to do guiding. You can be, you know, good with mechanical stuff and, and interested in helping out in the maintenance shop. We We can use every sort of help from like all walks of life. So Come to Nauvoo. We'll be here. It can be us and you hanging out in Nauvoo. <laughs> so so you have a dream of broadening your volunteer base. Yes. yes. That sounds awesome. What other dreams do you have for Nauvoo? So there are certain buildings that would it would be amazing to have reconstructed. Um, like the Red Brick Store was reconstructed back in the 1980s. Um, and that has been amazing. So many important things happened there historically that having that store... Um, having the building has allowed us to share that part of our history. And there are other buildings on site that it would be just as cool to have, um, such as Joseph's speaking platform or even like Lucy Mac Smith and Joseph Smith Sr.'s house. So there are just different, different homes that um, could enrich the history you learn here. Um, and I think would be, would be fun. Cause right now there's just a lot of land because most of the houses don't exist anymore. You know, we have a couple originals, but it would be neat to have some, some reconstructions. Yeah. That'd be pretty fun. I love the red brick store. It's beautiful and it's fun to shop there. And it has root beer. Don't forget <laughs> that. So just to recap, I want to go back to what, um, what the sites are here in Nauvoo that they can visit. So we have the homestead. Mm-hmm. And what exactly is the homestead? So the homestead is Joseph and Emma's first home here in Nauvoo. Um, and it actually was here before they get here. They buy that house um, when the saints move in in 1839. Um, so that's their first home. And they're there for several years. Um, and then another home we have here is the mansion house, also an original home. Um, and they move into that in the fall of 1843. Um, but they're not there very long together, at least. Um, cause Joseph, of course, is assassinated in June of 44. Um, so we have both of those original Smith family homes. And then the Nauvoo house, you know, construction began during Joseph's lifetime, later finished in its current form by, um, Lewis Biteman. Oh, cool. So you can, you can go through each of those places? Uh, you can go through the homestead and the mansion house. That's part of the tour. Um, the, the Nauvoo house you can actually rent out. Um, it was meant as a, as a hotel. It was going to be big enough for like 300 people back in the 1840s. Now it sleeps about 60. So we get a lot of youth groups who are coming to visit Nauvoo, get family reunions, different sort of like weekend retreats. Uh, so the Nauvoo house, we don't tour, but you can rent it out and that's pretty cool. Uh, youth tend to enjoy that Emma passed away in that house and, oh, is her ghost in here? Uh, well, even if it was, I'm sure it would be a benevolent ghost because that's the kind of lady Emma yeah, she was. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. Is there any charge to go on the tour? 
Uh, yeah, the tour does have a $4 per person preservation fee. Um, and that's just to help preserve the homes. They're, they're old homes and, and they do require upkeep. Right. Um, so. so when they go through the tour, are they furnished homes? What do they have inside? What can someone expect to see inside? There's, um, a lot of artifacts that belong to the Smith family. Most of the furniture is from the period. And then a few items from, from the Smith family. There's Emma's walking stick. There's a chest of drawers and a mirror that belong to Emma. Uh, and a hat box. That's Joseph's. There's a, a secretary. That's a pretty large piece. Um, that's Joseph's as well. There's so, a rocking chair that belonged to Lucy Max. Mm-hmm. So there are several um, fun Smith family pieces that we point out throughout the tour. Um, but the, the rooms are furnished and set up um, kind of period appropriate. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Laura and David, so much for you know taking some time out of your busy schedule and talking to us about Nauvoo and what it's like to be a site director here. Is there anything else that you want to say that you haven't gotten a chance to say or ask the wrong questions? We think everyone should come visit Nauvoo. It's such an important part to the history. And you can come see the sites, but the town is very active and has fun activities throughout the year. So if you're going to come, you should look up the town's activities and they've got, they sort of align with different holidays. So they grow grapes here and they've got a grape festival over Labor Day weekend and they do this amazing pumpkin walk on Halloween. So I would suggest aligning your trip with uh, one of those events. That way you have the site and Nauvoo. You get to experience both the historic and contemporary culture of Nauvoo. Um, it's this dual aspect that is cool to see where Nauvoo was and, and where Nauvoo is. And we didn't even mention how beautiful the Mississippi River is. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. I walk outside and I'm like, bam, Mississippi River. And it's huge. It, it's growing up next to the, the Missouri River and Independence, and then moving here, the Mississippi is massive. And beautiful. It truly is beautiful. So beautiful. Although we did have to wait 40 minutes on a bridge the other day as a yeah. barge went through. So that took a while. Sometimes you get barged. But other than that, it's beautiful. Yes, it is beautiful. And there are, we get a lot of birds, um, bald eagles here, a lot of wildlife. We have a possum that lives in the tree behind our house. Um, we see George, that's the possum's name. We see George about every other week or so. Um, so shout out to George. Excuse me. Well, did you say there's a bald eagle here and then you talked about a possum for <laughs> five minutes? <laughs> you just skimmed by that whole bald eagle thing, but the possum. <laughs> Listen, George and I, we got a, a relationship. We're friends. Oh, so you have a connection. That's right. I understand. Sorry, David, I didn't mean to interrupt you. He's one of our most frequent visitors to the site. Well, I hope he pays his $4 preservation fee. (laughs) (laughs) So, David, is there anything else you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say? No, I I just wanted to invite people to come and see the sites and find their own connection to the history here. I've actually been uh, really comfortable here in Nauvoo this past weekend. I It's really fun just to walk around. There's not a lot of traffic, at least in November. Nope, no, there's here, not. Here in Nauvoo. So it's pretty safe just to walk around and fun. And it's a beautiful time of year. So 
it's I'm sure it's beautiful at any time during the year, but it's exceptionally beautiful right now with the trees turning. Oh my gosh, yes. And just stunningly beautiful. So yes, please, if you get a chance, come to Nauvoo, meet Laura and David. And who knows, maybe we'll be your tour guides. You got to be pretty lucky in order to get David and Laura as your tour guide because they're kind of the best. Well, we we wouldn't say that. (laughs) Remember, we've only been here for seven months, and there are people who have been here for, like, more than, like, five years. I I might be a little bit biased, but I think they're the best. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Laura and David, for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Carla, for being amazing. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Bye. 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 The views expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official views of the Latter-day Seekers team or of Community of Christ. The music has been provided by Ben Howington. You can find his music at mormonguitar.com. Yeah, and Emma is not familiar at all with her husband's losing money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs>